Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello, I thought I'd just jump on before we go into this week's episode, which is fittingly all about resilience um, and how we should perhaps think about reflection and supervision in terms of maximising our resilience as HR professionals. To let you know that I'm going to try and do some of the same and take a bit of a break over Christmas. So this is our last HR Uprising podcast until the 10th of January when we'll be back with a bang. That doesn't mean we don't want to hear from you. Please do continue to stay part of our community. Um, Join the LinkedIn group. Recommend us to our friends if you haven't and you'll enjoy what we're doing. We'd love it if you had time to give us a review. Um, But more than anything, I really hope you do have a chance to relax and recuperate yourselves. So I think this week's episode is perhaps something to think about and reflect upon as we go through and think whether or not we need to invest more in our own support as HR professionals. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And this week we are talking all about supervision for resilience, something that maybe we should think more about as people professionals. And I'm delighted to have two experts with me today, both clinical psychologists, Joe Burrell and Felicity Baker. And they're going to explain, in fact, Felicity, you're going to hopefully take us through a little bit about your new business proposition aimed at people professionals. Absolutely. Thanks, Lucinda. And and thank you for having us on. Um, Yeah, we're both clinical psychologists, having worked in the NHS for quite a few years. um, And we started our business in 2013 to provide resilience training and well-being support to help them uh, support their staff uh, through stressful times to manage um, overwhelm and overload. And obviously, over the last year and a half, people have been absolutely crying out for it. And what we've noticed is that um, Often we're we're, um, we're, um, talking to HR departments, HR um, professionals about booking our services. And, you know, we've realized that they're not really well supported themselves. So we thought we'd take our skills in resilience and in supervision out to HR um, professionals to support them to build and maintain their own resilience. I can really see that there is a total gap. It's when we raise this, I think, it seems like a no-brainer now that actually I can't believe it doesn't exist already. Um, but brilliant having people like yourselves who are actually clinicians, you're professionally trained, although I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about the detail. I realise you're not actually giving people therapy, but that's so appropriate to take out to this marketplace, isn't it? That's right, yes. So uh, Lisa Tomlinson, yes, um, we joined forces with her. And obviously she had you know, some insight already into the kind of pains of HR professionals 
and um, really felt there was a gap, you know, f- uh, in terms of support available to HR professionals. Lot, you know, people facing professionals who are dealing with lots of emotional content, lots of difficulty, lots of challenge, lots of interpersonal challenge, particularly, and um, and actually very limited support available, particularly within organisations where you know HR professionals have to have particular boundaries, don't they? So. Yeah. They're not necessarily able to access the, the systems of support, support that are available for other members of staff because of those important boundaries, you know, and, and ethics that need to be in place. So Lisa really saw that there was a gap. And we saw that gap, too, because we were interfacing with lots of H- HR professionals in our work doing, you know, well-being support in the workplace. So we were seeing that actually we were meeting lots of HR professionals who were really struggling and particularly over the last year or so. And actually, um, People Management magazine found that there's been a 70% increase in stress-related absence amongst HR professionals. This was in 2020. So clearly pandemic-related. But actually, this says something about, uh, you know, about what's available for HR professionals and whether it's working. And the answer is it's not working, you know, clearly. Um, it's not working. And, you know, I think we think, and Lisa certainly has that knowledge, that there were pressures and demands and difficulties around for HR professionals way before the pandemic. And actually, yes. the pandemic has just exacerbated those. Yes, it's just, it's just p- piled on the pressure. They've been the go to. But I mean, well before that, that's that. Um, the HR professional would be the person who often has to deal with people if they've got health issues or you yes. know, they deal with a lot of the difficult people stuff and have to keep it confidential. So have no one necessary yes. to talk to. I mean, are we kind of going straight into why it's important? We can definitely see that, aren't we? But actually, it might be good just to explain what supervision is, because it seems like something which is obvious for you guys as uh, you know psychologists, because it's expected in terms of CPD from a psychologist's point of view. But it isn't something that is expected for HR and when you think about it that seems quite strange now when I think about it um, it seems yeah. quite a blind spot doesn't it so should we yeah. go back to the beginning do you want to explain a little bit what you mean by supervision and also what we mean by it in this context yes absolutely so so as you say Lucinda you know this was something that really struck us too you know as as um, clinical psychologists supervision is something that is runs through our profession it's something that we engage in and deliver and receive and train in all the way through our careers it's seen as crucial in terms of supporting our well-being and also p- supporting our development so in terms of how we might understand supervision really it's a system of regular support provided by another professional there is no one single definition but that's a you know that's a useful definition Um, and it really enables an individual to reflect on and develop knowledge skills and competence so supervision is often about professional practice it's about learning professional skills but it's also about it's it's about uh well-being it's about looking after yourself it's about having space to be able to talk about and process some of the difficulties that you face in your work and you know as psychologists it's been hugely helpful for us because we hear some really troubling things you know we face some very troubling things in our day-to-day you know work in therapy and so on but we know that HR professionals as you've just said also face some of this very difficult distressing material so 
supervision CAD, you know, it, the, the type of supervision, the focus of supervision might vary depending on the supervisee, their work setting, their needs and so on. But there's a model of supervision. It's quite simple and it helps us to understand what the different focuses could be. So in Skip and Proctor, they have the, the, the normative, formative and restorative model of supervision. And that describes us the three different focuses that you could have in supervision. So normative is about the kind of the rules and regulations that you have to adhere to. So you might have a code of practice or conduct within your profession. There might be, uh, you know, within your organisation, particular policies and procedures that you have to adhere to. You know, if you worked, say, as a teacher, you might have to be, uh, you know, considering things like safeguarding practices, you know, these sorts of things. So that's the normative aspect. The formative, the formative is, is about, uh, you know, developing your knowledge and your skills in, in your profession. So it's about the kind of technical aspects of your job, how you do it. And then the restorative is about the, the self-care bit, the bit about your well-being, the kind of emotional processing and those sorts of things. And I guess it's that bit that we felt was particularly lacking for HR professionals and leaders, actually. You know, yeah. this ability to be able to have space to be able to process and think about the emotional material, the difficult relationships that you might have as an HR professional. Sorry, were you going to ask something? Yeah, there, no, I can see that. Because I was just thinking about the normative and formative things, because I can see that a lot of the normative stuff, it's kind of the answers there. You go to employment lawyers, um, you go yes. to CIPD, there's policies, there's um, laws that you have to follow. And um, and also, I'm thinking right, right at the start of the pandemic with things like, a furlough and all the rules that, that that HR had to kind of work things out as laws changed yeah. how to deal with it but that all kind of I think HR are quite good at doing the pragmatic stuff and, and they'll yes. reach out to colleagues and share information and stuff and the same to a certain extent with formative in terms of knowledge and skills people can you know do self-development attend webinars and, and learn things but this restorative yes. this is a bit where we burn out isn't it this is the piece where it's actually yes. looking after you almost emotionally I guess um having yes. an outlet for the the stuff that's sitting all these things that are sitting on your shoulders that we're taking yes. on it's having that opportunity to unpack yes. them so that's yeah. where absolutely so it's having that distance being able to step back being able to process because actually what we know from the work that we've done in the nhs is if you if you don't have that space to reflect to process to you know to kind of mull over and think about and make sense of those difficult experiences you take it home with you and then of course that that period, that time for rest and recovery is affected, negatively affected by all that stuff that you're carrying with you. There's uncomfortable feelings, you know, there's unresolved stuff. And then you don't recover properly in order to be engaged and motivated when you go back into work. So how would it compare to, say, coaching? Because it sounds like it might be a bit like having a coach or a mentor or a buddy or something like that. Would you say it's similar yes. or is it different? Yeah, absolutely. I would say there are crossovers between all of these different approaches. They're all embedded in psychological principles and theory. So, of course, they have some commonalities. I guess I would say coaching is uh, is 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 quite goals orientated. It's quite aim. You know, it's very mm -hmm. action orientated. Um, and I suppose what you know what strikes me is that we live in a world that is very drive you know, very drive focused. We spend a lot of time doing. We spend a lot of time striving towards targets and goals and aims. And actually what we need for our well-being is moments of 
reflection moments of you know moments when we're not actually and of course supervision might be about achieving some things we want to improve our well-being and so on there are things some things we want to aim for but actually it's a lot about space for reflection so there's something about the difference between doing and being yeah. you know the doing is that we're aiming for actions all the time for for goals for you know for targets this sort of stuff our our workplaces are set up for us to be doing this you know but what you know what we miss is those moments when we can reflect and actually we need reflection to look after ourselves we need reflection to be able to learn you know we need yeah. reflection to be able to develop so supervision i think is unique in that sense in that it creates that space for reflection and it is very much focused on you know our well-being our you know processing of emotional impact of of our work and so on Yes, I can definitely I can definitely see that. And it's and being forced to reflect, because when you're very, very busy, you don't make time to reflect. And that can result in us making the same mistakes over and over again. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, that you should, but you just don't find the time to do it. So having a relationship, yes. whether it was a coaching or a supervision relationship, then that almost forces you to punctuate it and get that re- renewal aspect of things absolutely and our workplaces don't encourage it do they because they're so performance target driven Mm. you know (laughs) they don't encourage those moments for us to have reflection and actually if we're going to perform well in our jobs particularly when we're dealing with people we need it you know yeah and I think in the HR profession there's a huge number of what people call an HR department of one there's lots of people where they're the only person in there maybe if you're in a larger organization you can lean on your peers um, and your colleagues in the same department but when you are in a very small department that makes it much more tricky and again that's why yes. I can see that leaders need it as well that um, they benefit from it yes they're in a very isolated particularly a, you know a particularly isolated position yes. because of the nature of their roles yeah absolutely so Felicity what other sort of benefits are there of um, of, of this sort of I can see the sort of renewal refreshing and, and so are there any long-term benefits that you'd see or other benefits for people who engage in supervision? I think it's important to recognise that having regular supervision has a preventative benefit. So we're kind of getting in there before things become a problem, giving people to reflect on situations and work out how they how they're responding, how they want to respond, whether they're responding in a way that's helpful or unhelpful. And that helps to stop problems building up. So it's really, yeah, it's really helpful in terms of managing anxiety, reducing the risk of burnout, but it's also helpful in in professional development, taking time to reflect on how you respond in a a situation, how you dealt with the situation. Was that the best way to do do it? Will help you to progress and to be able to, you know, function well in, in your role. And the, the recent, there's been some research come out recently in 2019, which was done by Newcastle University about the, um, you know, what's what what the characteristics of effective um, clinical um, peer super, and peer supervision. And they say that it actually also improves job satisfaction. So when we're when we're having a chance to reflect on what we're doing, we're not just reflecting on the bad things. We're also re- reflecting on what went well, um, and we're. Our increasing sense of competence and resilience allows us to feel good about our jobs, good about what we're doing. It's also important for creating a a sense of support within the work environment. 
So when challenges go on for a long time, when we're inundated with challenges, if we don't have the support, you know, it becomes unrelenting, it, you know, it becomes um, um, something that we end up feeling overwhelmed, you know, we might need to take time off sick. But we know that when we have high support in an environment, some of those challenges that we might ordinarily think, I can't manage this, I haven't got the time to do this, or I haven't got the skills to do it, when we're supported, we can work out ways of doing it. And that makes us feel good about ourselves. It builds our self-belief, our self-efficacy. Um, so there's, there's so many benefits of um, supervision. Yeah. And not least, it, it reduces the impact of um, not having supervision. So when we don't have supervision, we're more likely to burn out, more likely to be stressed. The, uh, the whole thing also, I was thinking, it, it, why it's probably quite useful. Sometimes people don't put themselves first, particularly HR, but often they've got stresses in and out of work. And if you, you know, you've got the other, have caring responsibilities, young kids, there's lots and lots they'll probably be coping with. So again, this, by investing some time, maybe processing things yeah. that are going on will help get balance over, over the overall piece. Your point about preventing anxiety as well, I think is quite key that many of us think that we're absolutely fine until we're not. Um, I did a previous podcast with a, another um, psychologist a few, few months ago um, over in New Zealand. And that was one of the things that, that, you know, people, she was just talking about how burnout can just creep up on you. Um, people keep on keep on swimming, but then suddenly stop. And then that takes a long time to, to come back from. So this whole sense yeah. of prevention uh, is, is key you know, with this great sense of awareness of mental health we might be doing lots for our mental health of our our people but maybe need mm. to focus on it ourselves as well absolutely and I think there's something to be said for supervision being a place where we can acknowledge the impact of the work you know you talked about um, you know people being made redundant people going off sick people dealing with bereavement and now if you're the person who's dealing with those people that's going to have an emotional impact on you as well so supervision provides that opportunity it also gives you the opportunity to look at the, the impact of events outside work on your work functioning so it's really um you know focusing in on all of those things that can undermine your performance undermine your confidence and undermine your resilience to be able to you know build and grow and develop and you know and just re really reflect on what's the best way of managing this it makes sense doesn't it it makes total sense but why don't we do it or maybe we are starting to do it so so like we said earlier this it, it's kind of a no-brainer this ought to exist for um people profession it, it does now because you guys have, have set something up do you want to talk a bit about what it is that you offer um i'd be interested to know what a what it looks like as a supervision program is it a program what is it that you do well, what we're offering is a series of sessions and um, we encourage people to book in for a number of sessions. So our minimum um, of, um, a contract would be a year, but you can have a, it at different uh, regularities during that year. So you might go for one every two months or one every month, depending on what your situation is and what your needs are. But it's really about uh, creating a space where people can um, talk about uncertainty, feelings of ignorance, feelings that they don't really know what they're doing, feelings of incompetence, and to work those through in a safe place. So one of the most important things that we attempt to do with our, our supervisees is to develop a relationship with them of trust and understanding, of openness. Um, and we would meet with them for an hour 
an hour session each time, whether that's monthly or bi-monthly or, or four times a year. And we would focus in on some of the challenges that they were facing, um, challenges that were impacting their work functioning. So it might be challenges from outside of work that they that, that's impacting them or challenges within work. And we'd pro provide just space for them to to talk, talk about that, to reflect on that, to think about how they're, how they're working that through, to think about what they need in that environment to be able to manage things effectively. And we do this through the process of developing a contract with that person. So the first session involves us talking through the parameters of what supervision is and what it isn't, what we're offering, what we're not offering. You know, we're not offering therapy. This isn't about focusing in on you uh, as a person and your personal history, but it might be looking at how some of those features in your life affect your work functioning. Um, it's about setting up clear boundaries, about time, about arriving with some content to talk about how to get the most out of supervision. And that's a, a contract that we develop collaboratively that supports people right the way through the process. So we might revisit it, we might adapt it, we might use it flexibly to ensure that um, our supervisees would be getting best benefit from the sessions. Okay, that's, uh, so it's, um, I've just went through my head there because you're both psychologists. How how is it different, or are you not tempted to have your therapy hat on? Do, does it ever overlap, or how does it differ from a therapy session? Come on, Joe. Well, I would say I guess because we have been delivering supervision all the way through our careers, we have learnt the difference. <laughs> you know, yeah. it comes relatively naturally to us. I think if you were a coach and you were starting out embarking on delivering supervision and you hadn't been a supervisor before, I think that would be more difficult because you are having to do a kind of paradigm shift slightly or a head yeah. shift you yes. know, <laughs> from one approach on. to another. But I would say that, you know, therapy is very much about the personal experience, you know, and it's often about, you know, particular mental health presentations. It's very much mental health focused and supervision is happens in the workplace. It's about your work experience, the person you bring to work, mm. you know, what you bring to work and your experiences within work. So it's work focused rather than about the personal. Yeah. So I'd, I'd make that, yeah, make that distinction. Yeah. Like I say, I think for us, making the shift from therapy to supervision is not so difficult, but it, it would take some practice if you were new to it. <laughs> I think it helps that we've we've got our own model of um, resilience that we developed and we base our supervision on that as well. So we're we're looking at how to support people to build skills and strategies to maintain their resilience and um you know, and so, and that's really different from therapy. So, yeah, uh, um, yeah. So, putting you on the spot here, actually, since you've mentioned that, it's always good to give some takeaways on on the podcast. Would you be able to give a few tips, maybe, to do with your resilience model? Would you perhaps explain something or give an example of something that you might help share with someone during a session? Yeah, I don't know. Do you want to say? On... <laughs> we could both say. <laughs> Um, I suppose in, in the um, supervision session, for example, someone might um, be talking about, I don't know, performance anxiety, some, uh, a difficult conversation they've got to have that would be raising their anxiety levels. So something we might focus in on is how to manage that anxiety. We might do some um, 
work around controlled breathing, slow rhythmic breathing, which helps to calm sympathetic nervous system arousal and helps to um, manage that anxiety in the moment. Um, we might be looking at their self-talk, thinking about what, what are they thinking about this situation? What are their negative predictions? How likely are they to actually come true? Is there another way of looking at that situation that will help them to enter the situation with a bit more confidence? Perhaps looking back at situations, similar situations in the past, reminding themselves of, you know, when it went well, when they did a good job, you know, in an interview or a presentation. Um, and these sorts of things are all part of our, our resilience model. So it's part of your toolkit. So, you said, mm -hmm. so, so those are sort of thinking strategies that people then can help themselves with in the moment. So it's not just what they get out of their hour with you once a month, yeah. but it's, it's learning tools to support you Absolutely. long term. Great. Absolutely. And certainly our model is about how do we deal with stress in the moment, but it's also about what things can we be doing day to day that are going to build our resilience over the longer term? Because resilience is about how we respond in the moment, but it's also about, you know, what we're doing through our day to day lives that's helping to pr protect us from stress in the future. So your programme, I think you launched it a few weeks ago. It's only very recently been launched, hasn't yes. it? So yes. what sort of level of response have you got? So we've been actually really quite overwhelmed by... <laughs> so by the there is definitely a demand. You're going to have to expand probably. I mean, it, it feels like it really resonates, you know, with HR professionals, you know, I think... And, and actually, there's a real sense at the moment that there's a crisis in, in the profession in terms of well-being. You know, the, the figures speak for themselves. And so, you know, there is a real feeling of actually people are crying out for something that's going to help them to feel you know, less stressed, less overwhelmed, less like they're hurtling towards burnout, you know? Yeah. And um, and we've had, you know, quite, I would say, an unprecedented number of, of, of people contact us and say, we want this, you know, we're interested in this. And, you know, we've started to talk through, we've started to do our first supervision sessions with professionals. We're also, you know, starting to talk through with what packages will work for which, you know, organisations and so on. So absolutely, it feels it's really, resonated with people and it feels we've been right to tap into something that you know it's clearly a gap you yeah, know definitely and so timely so if people assuming assuming you've got capacity to take more people on but if people want to find out more about what you offer um and it's not just the supervision you also do the resilience training as well where would they go to find you so supervisionservice.co.uk is specifically about our supervision for resilience service and then our company is called Ultimate Resilience. So ultimateresilience.co.uk um, is where we have a range of services that are around staff well-being, both individual and group sort of services like training, but we also do coaching and so on. Brilliant. And I would just encourage people to find us on LinkedIn if you want to have a conversation about it. Just uh, uh, DM either one of us. That'll be fine. Yeah. I think and we, our model of resilience, just to say, was published in the Journal of Occupational and Organisational Psychology earlier this year. So if you wanted to look that up too, you could do just look up that, at that journal and have a look. Perhaps you can send me the link and I'll put it in the show notes so people can easily go. If you go to HR Uprising, they can go and right. put all these yes. in. So I'm thinking that we'll put this out. This episode is going to go out just before Christmas. We're coming in, we're recording this at the end of November. Perhaps people are out there need to give themselves a Christmas present or negotiate the new year is uh, invest in our own mental resilience as we go into that January, February time. Might be a good time yeah. to explore and see what it is that we can do to, to look after ourselves um, for as we head into 2022. 
Absolutely. So, and Felicity, thank you so much for joining me today on the HR Uprising podcast. It's been great, great hearing from you. And what a brilliant, a brilliant new service you're offering. I think it's definitely well overdue. Thank you very much. Thank you. thank you so much for having us. So that's it for this year. I'll be back on the 10th of January with a bit of a best bits um, episode. And I'd just like to wish everybody a really Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you so much for supporting and taking part in the HR Uprising podcast over the last 12 months and beyond. And I really hope you'll join us in the new year. Merry Christmas. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.